You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. To Chef's Story. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton, and today we're sitting at the International Culinary Center in Soho in Manhattan, New York. And I'm very, very excited because we have an alumni sitting with us today. Jair Tayez is one of the most popular chefs who lives in Mexico City, and he's back here for Alumni Weekend, and I just really wanted to talk to him. Find out what's happening in Mexico, and uh, let's uh, welcome back, Jaya. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me here. Yeah, we can start talking anytime. We have to. Okay, we talk. So um, we're gonna. I'm gonna start back to where did you grow up? Did we, where were you born? I was born in Hermosillo, Sonora. Hermosillo is um, maybe like 200 miles south of uh, Tucson. And, yeah, uh, straight okay, south straight of Tucson. Tucson. So it's northwestern Mexico. Uh-huh. Can be like Mexican cowboy country, some, something like that. Uh, in the I state tried... of Sonora. Okay. It's so... in the desert. But I just was born there and I grew up in Tijuana. So I'm more like uh, the result of growing up in the border. At the border. I heard yes. that you ate su- sushi before you ate mole. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> How does that happen in Tijuana? Actually, one of my... The strongest and one of my one of the, the weirdest food experiences was when I ate with la coche for the first time. Like you know, this corn smut, oh, it's really? eaten in uh, central Mexico, and this really illustrates how different is uh, Mexico. Mexico. I mean, cuisines. Tijuana is closer to Canada than to Mexico City. Just Tijuana to, is closer to Canada than Mexico yes. City. Yes, just That's to just just so you have an idea. So we're very far away. It's like being from Alaska or something like that. And uh, but that in the end has resulted, and we will talk about it in many many interesting uh, things going on because it's like a empty canvas that we had a fantastic opportunity of uh, cooking and, and, and through food defining what we are over there. That's right. So were your parents from Sonora? My parents, everybody's from Sonora in my family. So what are, what's what are your food memories? From my food memories. We moved from Sonora to Tijuana, and the food memories from Sonora arrived in a cardboard box <laughs> that my my grandfather sent. And it had uh, flour tortillas, which are very, very specific and different than commercial tortillas. And, uh, Tell thing, us about that. I have no idea why is it, and I cannot, I'm not able to cook flour tortillas like my mother does. I mean, and they're so different than uh, than. than Commercial, commercial. They're very. The flour is very oxidized and it's very white. And and the ones my family cooks, they're so nice and deep, wheat flavor. And uh, it's just. And I cannot do it. And, and I try to do a flour tortilla, and I don't know if it's something emotional, but I cannot do it. It it, it ends up square or something. Does every tortilla taste different? No. Yes, of course. Oh no, no. Depending no. on who cooks it. Oh, and yes, yes, yes. I mean, I, in my house, for example, we grew up with flour tortillas, not corn tortillas, because we're from north, northwestern Mexico, and uh, 
And so is that one of your best childhood memories? Oh yes, my mother cooking tortillas and then beans and just eating beans and tortillas. It was amazing. Around the stove and she would cook fresh. Now this was with the box that your grandfather sent? No, my, my grandfather said it was a bunch of uh, typical uh, sweets from there. The one is called jamoncillo, which is a jamoncillo. It's a sweet made with milk and sugar. And it's uh, like caramelized milk and sugar, like dulce de leche, yeah, but it becomes thicker, like a, uh-huh. like a, like a caramel, like a caramel, mm. jamoncillo is called. And then they make a sweet with a um, quince, quince paste, mm. but it's smoky because they cook it in the in the, in, in the over the over the wood fire. Mm. So it was quince paste, and they, one thing that's called coyotas, it's and all these things. People in Mexico seldom know them because it's because Sonoran food has never been part of the national food, national right. cuisine. Because whoever defines what national cuisine hasn't thought that. Uh, because natural cuisines are the some are the, the the addition of local cuisines. That's true. The, no? the, the national cuisine. There's no such thing so, as a national cuisine. So, you know, um, we've been trying to learn a lot about Mexican food, and I know that the heritage has French in the background, Spanish it's, in the and background. And it depends on the area. It depends on the area. And there's mole and the, the, the jungles in the south. It's, and most Americans know the border food. Tacos. And not even that. <laughs> and not even that. Because now Mexico is barely starting to look at the border food as something that's um, worth looking at. Like food, like food from Tijuana, in many sense, has more to do with food from LA, from Los Angeles. Well, because the Caesar salad from Tijuana isn't amazing. That yeah. isn't that amazing. Caesar salad with Parmesan <laughs> cheese is and romaine lettuce. And romaine salad. lettuce. And it has to. It needs to have cheap Parmesan cheese. Cheap it's, Parmesan. Cheese. If you do it the right way, it just doesn't work. <laughs> so, is there a cuisine of Tijuana? Now it's now it's a trendy thing. Now it's, it's like it, it, there's this guy called Javier Plasencia, and he's doing his very own uh, you know version of what's going on in Tijuana. And then there's a lot of uh, trying to pretty much like in, local, uh, local, and uh, Tijuana is very close to the wine growing region uh-huh. of Mexico, basically, right. which is by where I have my restaurant. In Baja. Yeah, it's an hour and a half drive. So it's really close. So there's a good amount of uh, excitement around uh, food. It's, it's a lot very similar to what happens here in areas like the Hudson Valley or what happens in Napa. So there's people excited about doing beer, about doing wine, about growing uh, vegetables. So, Who so are the people that are excited about this? Weird people. Weird you know? people? <laughs> <laughs> like always. It's about the people. It's not about the right. things. And it, hap- it, ha- it happened, it, it has happened through, I mean, there's oceanologists, there's uh, scientists, there's, uh, I'm an anthropologist, people that have turned into food because, because they're excited about it, they're passionate about it, and they end up doing amazing so let's stuff. let's get back to your childhood. So My childhood. you like uh, tortillas and beans. Yes, and yes. now where I, does your palate start to say, well, my I mother was, to come to the French colonies? You know what, I, I, I had this realization since I was really young that I had to cook. But it took me some. I really tried not to cook. You know, I went to different kinds of uh, schools and I studied law for a little bit and then I studied anthropology and I really tried not to be a cook. I ended up being a cook. Yes, what did cook. your father and mother do? My father's a lawyer. 
Ah. Ah. And my mother, she has a school for, for children. children. School for children. So your father, the lawyer, did he want you to be a cook? At some point, he wanted me to be a lawyer. I'm sure. That's just like every father. My other two brothers are lawyers, so. Uh -huh. so I'm the only one who said no, you know what. And I went to this really old-fashioned, top-notch law school in Mexico City. And the third year, I said, no, this is not for me. So this you went to, through the two years, and then you decide no. And then I said no. It was, it was, some, 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 it was dramatic, I would say. Yeah. And then... Um, And then I came to New York City supposedly following a, a girlfriend I had. And then I said, yeah, I'm going to knock doors and go to a restaurant. And my father said, come on, you stop that and go to school. I said, okay, great. Another great, uh, generous decision of you, but I wanted to do it differently. And I did. And I came here. Because I was remembering that. I came yeah. through this door, this same elevator, in a very different school now. And start. Well, it's not so different. We still teach the French classics, yes. you know? And yeah. And uh, so, did, did you know you wanted to study classic cooking? Did you know what you wanted to do with it afterwards? I knew I wanted... You know, it's not even a wonder. I knew I had to do it. And it was so natural. Once I started, I came here and I started my class. And it was... I don't want to brag about it, but it, for me it was so natural. It was so different. Right. So, it was so easy. It was so easy after, what, about a month and a half after being here... Chef Dennis, I remember. Chef Dennis, I remember. <laughs> amazing guy. Yeah. Amazing guy. And he somehow they came asking here for uh, people that wanted to help on a catering thing for Restaurant Daniel. And I ended up going there. For Daniel Boulou. I didn't so go they, they asked you if you wanted to go and work on a catering. They asked Chef Dennis to send two of his uh, best, students. best students. He sent me and another two. And after that, I stayed there. I stayed there doing... So I stayed a whole year. In, in, For a year, yeah. you worked with Daniela. Yes, it was, it was exciting. It was an amazing kitchen to be at. Tell be us at. why it was amazing. And you, had, you were just coming from school. How could you keep up in a kitchen like that? Uh, yes, I just liked it. I loved it. I, I remember the, the first day we were serving the catering, serving on the table, and there's Daniel in front of me, and he likes to scream. <laughs> Sorry, Danielle. I'm interviewing you in two weeks. We'll talk about that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And it was and it was really exciting. Yeah, it was it was exciting to be like. And I had my background coming from uh, this uh, this law school I went to was around the philosophy of terror. So <laughs> to me, it was that uh, I had the I had the guts to to listen to, to take to that. Take it. To yeah, take yeah, yeah. It. So so. Uh, so it was something very nice. And, and Alex Lee was amazing. But yeah. his former yes, kitchen chef, amazing yeah. guy. Amazing. He was like my mentor. Well, so what did you learn in that kitchen? First of all, you, le you learn uh, the paradigm. No? You learn what's great. If it's there, you know, it's the, it's, that's the way it's supposed to be. So the product. Everything. Everything, how it's done, how they store, how they cook. It's, it's a beautiful experience when you go to those kinds of kitchens because you know if they do it there, that's the way to go. Yeah. No. Yeah. Some places in, in in the process of your growth as a chef, there are some kitchens you learn things not to do. No. But that but it's so nice when you start that you know in this place everything is they store a chef jacket that way. That's the way it has to be stored. If ah. they keep a tomato, at least that's the way I yes. I took it. Yes. And it was a great fantastic experience. And you were there a year. I was there a year. 
And then, then what did you do? Then I went to Mexico City because I had never worked in Mexico. And I didn't know basically how to name things in Spanish. In Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> so did you know in French and in English? Yeah, but not in Spanish. Not so, in uh, so actually a former student from here was working as a sous chef in... Um, the Four Seasons. The Four Seasons. Uh, Ralph name? Romano. Romano, I remember him. Yes. And uh, and he called me, and I went with him, and it was a <clears throat> how can I say it was a peculiar thing to do to work in a hotel kitchen, and I liked the fact that I did it, but I kind of Why was not it peculiar? my thing. Because it's a, it's a hotel. It's about a hotel kitchen. Quality is not the is not, not the no 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 quality is not uh, the main thing. It's the service to the guest. It's production. It's, volume? Uh, yeah, it's volume and service to the guest. And if the guest wants to have a turbo and you don't have turbo, you somehow to send something that looks like a turbo. So that kind of... Uh, so the priority is not quality, it's service. Uh-huh. It's attention to the guests or what they understand as attention to uh-huh. the guests. Uh-huh. At least that's the way so it was. So how long did you stay there? Eight months, something like that. And then what did you And do? then I went to San Francisco. Oh, back to the States. Back to the States. And I worked at La Folie. It's a French, oh, with Roland. So La Paso. Very French kitchen. Very, very French kitchen. kitchen. An amazing guy. I mean, very, a uh, lot of, lots of energy. A nice kitchen. Uh, very. Why, now, when you say nice kitchen, what do you mean? Because the team was very, very nice. Very small, tight team. Mm-hmm. No? Uh, and I wanted that because I had worked at Daniel, which is a large, tight team also. Yeah. Because there's so much uh, challenge in Daniel that the, te- the team becomes very tight. Yes. Uh, Especially when he's screaming. All the time. <laughs> and back, I don't know how, how, how he is now, but back then it was, yeah. it was a very uh, dramatic kitchen to be at. It was yeah. flying around. <laughs> but you kind of, kind of wanted that, no? Yeah. When, yeah. when you're a young... Yeah, sure. Cook, you kind of need that to yeah. have that in your uh, in your file. Yeah. So, uh, and Roland's uh, kitchen is way smaller, way way smaller, tight, more personality, in, uh, and and he's he was there, amazing. I mean, the guy is cooking the line every day. Mm. You don't see. Okay. And how many years' experience did he have? I don't know. All the years in the world. So and I'm pretty sure he's doing that. I mean, I mean, he's still. I mean, he's, and that is something, uh, something, I don't do that. <laughs> now you're not I don't on do the it. line I don't anymore. Do it. I don't do it. I mean. So what did you learn from that kitchen? I think and, it, and, you know, he's French and Danielle's French, but they're a different age. Very, very different French cuisines. So how, do, how are they? Roland would, uh, Roland would have, will do uh, really, really deep flavors. I mean, and... You could agree or not agree with that. I mean, right now, if I think about it, I think of that more as a reference than uh, something I want to do. Encyclopedic kind of knowledge. He was doing classic. Very classic. uh, Classic trying to be modern. Uh Mm -hmm. Kind of nouvelle. Now it's classic. Yes. It was nouvelle back then, but now it's classic. Yeah, that lobster salad with a mango thing on the bottom with, I don't know, 25 different garnishes and so that kind of things that, that, that I look back and say oh, how nice I did that but uh, now it's That's so right. out of reality so no. what we're going to do is take a little break here oh. and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about 
your restaurants. Today's program has been brought to you by Consider Bardwell Farm. Spanning the rolling hills of Vermont's Champlain Valley and easternmost Washington County, New York, 300-acre Consider Bardwell Farm was the first cheese-making co-op in Vermont, founded in 1864 by Consider Stebbins Bardwell himself. Rotational grazing on pesticide-free and fertilizer-free pastures produces the sweetest milk and the tastiest cheese. All of their cheeses are aged on the farm in their extensive system of caves. Consider Bardwell Farm is also a big supporter of Heritage Foods USA's No Goat Left Behind program. No Goat Left Behind is a serious effort launched in 2011 by Heritage Foods USA designed to introduce goat meat to American diners and provide a sustainable end market for dairy animals. For more information, please visit www.considerbardwellfarm.com. Okay, we're back now. <laughs> Welcome back. You're listening to Chef's Story. I'm Dorothy Can Hamilton. We're, today we're coming to you from the International Culinary Center in Manhattan, down in Soho. And I'm speaking with Jair Tayez, who is one of our graduates, but he's one of the most popular chefs down in Baja in Mexico. And we're going to explore where Mexico uh, where Mexican cooking is going today, how he's doing it, but we're still on his life's journey. He's he's worked for Danielle and Roland Passo, and now what? After Roland Passo in San Francisco, where did you go? I stayed in San Francisco and cooked at another restaurant that was named Gordon's House of Fine Eats. It doesn't exist anymore. It was, I think, it was a restaurant ahead of its time, and they tried to do this. Uh, uh, like uh, in a very relaxed way, they try to do high-end food, and that was new back then, and now it's not new, and now it doesn't exist. But it was a, it was a, you know, it, you learn from every that I learned from Alex Lee. I remember after the first week when I was at the Four Seasons, I called Alex like, <sighs> Alex, I feel so, and he told me, you learn from every place. Yes. So, go. I mean. Go on. You Go will on. learn. You will learn. There's a, from every place you will learn something. So when did you start making your own restaurants? Um, after that, after that, then I, I was the decision came to that was in 2000 or 99. To keep cooking and I wanted to go to Spain to cook and or. Go down and to my go down home and and do something and it you know I just felt the urge to to go with my people. It was something about my geography and my people, and I, I realized I, I got along. I love making teams of people, and uh, I said, "Come on!" I mean, the, the the best times I have working in San Francisco is when I in San Francisco is when I'm relating to. To the, to, team. to the team and also people from uh, from around there. I, I enjoyed mm-hmm. that. Like, so I went down and uh, took this. This is crazy. It's a kind of crazy idea that's supposed not to supposed to be stayed as an idea and never mm. become reality, and it became reality, which is to do this destination restaurant at a uh, very uh, like a. At, at a Valley that back then was only a valley that they grew grapes and stuff, but had no tourist uh, vocation. How far was was it from the it's an hour and a half from the border, and it's uh, 
30 minutes from Ensenada. Uh-huh. So, but it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, it has, it, it was back then, and it still is. Now it's crazy, but but it still is a, a place only that was supposed to be for a, a great, for agricola, so the, for a growing. Gr- yeah, wine country. Wine country. So, uh, but I had this, I had this thing, I, I need to make this restaurant, and, and it was a crazy thing. It was crazy, and it was, I'm so stubborn, and I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do, and, and, my but family, yeah, my family, yeah. my family. You know, they say, "Okay, we're gonna do the investment." It was not a crazy investment, but it was some investment. I said, "Yeah, okay, so we'll do it." So, oh my God, what can I do now? Now, now, now. now the, you have your family's money. You yeah, now, 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 I need to do it. So, uh, so going to the to live to the countryside. One thing is to think that you want to go there. Another thing is to go to the <laughs> countryside. Been in San Francisco, and, New York, yeah, Minnesota. and then go and see how do you put a you know underwater pump so you can because there's a well and to start having to learn things that I had no idea about. How did you come on that location? Uh, driving. <laughs> So you just we had knew. This I, we had this thing. I said, okay, this, yeah, this, yeah, it was everything was a dream, and it's amazing. And uh, so we got a piece of land, and then after the piece of land, started hired an architect, and then after six months, we realized, I realized that I didn't need an architect, and so I started doing myself. The, and then I just hired an architect to do my drawings, basically. And uh, what year was this? Two thousand. Okay. I opened years. up in two thousand one. Okay, it took um, you a year to build. Well, yeah, a year and a half, something like that. And so I went there to live in the in the countryside, and it, it, it was a fantastic experience. But it, it was full full of, uh, as you might imagine, funny stories, doing stupid stuff. That uh, <laughs> at the end. So tell me what the menu was like. This is your first. At the at the beginning, the menu was because back then the valley. Now wait a minute! You graduated here in '97. Yes. Three years. Three years. Were, yeah, it was too young. It was too young. Yeah, yeah. In three years, you were opening your own restaurant with your it was parents' crazy. money. Yes, Whoa. it was crazy. <laughs> that happens. And uh, yeah, I, I knew, I knew, I was. It was early in my development to do it, but I always had in my back in my mind. I said, okay, I'm going to pretend there's this big chef behind me and he's looking at me. So I'm going to try to do things as if. This guy, well, imaginary guy, was behind me. Right. Because, in truth, I, I had never been a chef of any restaurant. I was, I had been a cook. I was a good cook, but I, I was never a chef. So to start doing things, it, it was a. I, I tell you, it was a. It was a gesture of, uh, of, 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 <laughs> of, you know, doing things uh, therefore. You were a risk taker. Yes, you were also but self confident. Yes, too yeah. much. Oh, that's yeah. too much. That, that's yeah. not a problem. But, but so how long? So to get, tell me something that was on the menu. You were really. I remember the, at the beginning, the menu was very French, as you might imagine, uh, and also because the valley back then, I imagine this valley that produced a lot of vegetables and things, but didn't actually do it. So I had to imagine that it did. So by doing it, it happened. Oh, so you got the farmers to, to grow And I, I, we started growing, and for example, we started baking bread, and now we bake bread, and, and, I, and I know how to bake bread, and I studied some on the, later on, because I had to bake my bread because there was no bakery. way to get, yeah. <laughs> and we had to grow some stuff because there was nobody doing it right, 
but by doing it and imagining that it happened that way in a fantastic, beautiful, it started happening years later. So uh, it is not that we were lying. Yeah. No, no, we were just, uh, we never, it's, it's a lot about integrity and you were, honesty. That's right, you were just naive when you went there, and then when it wasn't available, we had you to just go, had to make it. We had to go to San Diego to buy stuff, ingredients, to a, a purveyor. That's the way it went. Wow. Uh, New Zealand, lamb. That's the kind of things we... Who was your client? The beginning was... Uh, People from Tijuana is not so far away. Uh, people that are in the wine region for some... Back then, they were usually there for... A, it, was a, it was starting to get some tourism. And uh, people from San Diego as well. I mean, there was, so actually, at some point... It was a very straightforward... Who discovered district. you? Did, was there I, don't know if we, I don't know if we have been discovered yet. And... <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, we had no PR project or whatever. I mean, we just How started... How close are you to the ocean? Like uh, 20 minutes, oh, 25 so minutes. Were there fishing boats that you could buy fish? There's an amazing fish guy that I still buy from. Yeah. And we have amazing fish products. Because in that part of... Uh, you still get some of the cold sea fish. You know, like uh, spider crab and beautiful sea urchin and abalone mm. and... Amazing, amazing, amazing seafood, and um, and we had the you know, and then we started after four, three, four years. We started like really growing our own produce, and right now maybe ninety percent of what we cook is we produce. Yeah, I mean, we we grow there, so it's a very fun place. So it's not great business. It's not a great. <laughs> no, business. no, no, no. How many seats do you have? We have like forty something. Forty. Forty, and and are you open? Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Oh. And that's the way it works because, to start with, it, it, the story is not the story about food. It's the story about people. Because it, without the people, we wouldn't have been able to do this. How many in your kitchen? The kitchen now has three people. So it's, a very, it's built around this idea of uh, great quality but small, tight team. And there's two people in the dining room. And one person that works the whole out, no, and the the outside, the oh. vineyard and the garden. Oh. And uh, my partner and manager. Is there is there a hotel nearby? Yeah, there's some. Now there's some. Now, did you run the hotel? Too? No, it happened to. We came to the idea to do it, but now I realized we shouldn't do it. We're good at uh, cooking, not <laughs> tending a hotel. Uh, so what's your menu like? What was it like when you opened, and now what is it like? I remember we had a soup of the first day. We had a soup of with carrots and some herb. Uh, I remember a salad. I remember we had lamb and some sort of like ratatouille vegetables. How uh, French. How French. It was very French in that sense. And now we... Started to evolve in or degenerate. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> in a way that we because at some point it was only two cooks. It was me. I I was at the line there for seven years, cooking every shift, and it was fantastic. It was a great, fantastic opportunity. And Your lunch and dinner. 
Lunch and dinner, yes. So for the four days, lunch and dinner. Yes, 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 yes. And it, it's very fun service because since it's a prefix, it, it's a long table. Every table stays there for two hours at least. So, uh, so it's fun. It's a very fun service, and we do everything. So when I did it, I said, okay, there's there are some variables I want to deal with, and I want to have these variables be constant. And I want to quality. I want quality to be constant. I didn't want to sacrifice anything about quality, because since I was doing what I was doing where I was doing it, it had to be flawless, so I could make my statement right. Now, if if there were any flaws, it would dilute. It would be just any other restaurant, restaurant only far away, and you right. know. And I remember once a person when I was when I first started, I was very how can I say fundamentalist about the how things were. So people were ask, asking in Mexico. People ask for limes for everything. They put lime in food, you know? and I didn't give lime. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy once asked me, "So can I eat it the way I want to eat it?" I said, "Yes." But not here, I said. <laughs> if I give you the lime, it will taste the same as everything you eat, only far away and very expensive. So I'd rather have you eat it this way. <laughs> I, was, I wouldn't do that again. But I was young, and I, would, and I wanted things to... I was, I was so obsessed about my your thing. Your product. That it, I, it was your signature. Yeah, it was part of my uh, evolution, I guess, and part of my growing up and education. And, uh, well, but what it, made you change? What made... What makes you change? <laughs> yeah, what makes you change? This is going to be very philosophical. It's very philosophical. Uh, what makes you change? In the end, in, in that specific thing, in the end, I realized that if there's any... The one who chose to be a professional in this craft is me. Right. And part of being a professional is... Uh, if you need to sacrifice some things, that's being a professional. If somebody goes to your restaurant and asks uh, for a hamburger and you don't have it, doesn't mean you need to cook it, but it's your uh, or my uh, responsibility to make it, uh, in, 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 to say it and word it in the right way and say it and communicate it in, in the right way. Not the guy, the person that asks for a hamburger, maybe he just for some weird reason thinks. But the burden of understanding is on the professional, not on the customer. Excellently said. The burden of understanding is on the professional, not That's on it. the customer. Wow. So, okay, well, we're going to take a little break here, and we're going to get more philosophical when we come back. You're listening great. to Chef's Story. Chef Story, and I'm Dorothy Can Hamilton, and today I'm listening. I'm speaking, listening, and speaking to <laughs> Jair Tayez, uh, Tayez, who um, is really quite an, an impressive chef who has the um, Mero Toro in Colonia Campesa in Mexico City. Yes. In Mexico City. And um, he also, you still have your place in Baja, yes, yes, yes. and it's called Laja, L-A-J-A, L- Laja. Laja, and it's outside of Encinita. Ensenada. Ensenada, sorry, my, my 
pronunciation. Not in Chinese, it's in Chinese. Okay, so, so let me, let's, so Laja in Valle, uh, oh, Valle Guadalupe. Valle de Guadalupe, yes. Yeah, oh, for Guadalupe. Yeah, that, okay. that place, that place. <laughs> All right, well, so we're talking a bit uh, philosophically of uh, what a mature chef, uh, the maturing of a chef, yes. right? And so, uh, how did you how did you get to Mexico City? And, and how did I get to Mexico City? Because being in uh, in Valle de Guadalupe is like a, it's like living a dream, but when you live dreams, it gets frustrating because then your life is supposed to be a dream, and it's not like that. It's like uh, when you see uh, the prettiest girl, and once it, the pretty girl becomes your uh, girlfriend, it stops being a dream. Pretty. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe she's pretty, but it stops being a dream. dream right. No? So uh, it happened to me that the, I guess in many ways my I wanted the, the place in the, in the Valle in Valle de Guadalupe was out of proportion and still is. You need to have a proportion between what you want to do, what you can do, and what people want. And we had proportion between what I wanted to do and what I could do, but the people side of the equation was off. Now it's much way better. Because and it drained me energy-wise to cook some things and not to be sure that people were going to eat it. Because in the middle of nowhere, I mean, there's some days we have two... I can't wait to come and go There's to some days there's two customers or one customer. There's some days there's no customers. That's it. So, it's, so it's, 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 it's difficult. It's not a great business. It's not a great business, but it works now. Now it works. We kind of have found a way to make it make happen. Uh, but it drained me energy-wise a lot, and it came to the point where I need to move along. Yeah. I, I'm very, as you can see, I'm very, you know, a lot Energetic. of and, and to be in the, it's not in my personality to be in the middle of the countryside waiting for a, yeah. no. So uh, I realized one day, just like that, that's the way I am. I, don't, I need to leave. I said, oh, come on, don't leave. And yes, yes, I need to leave. So everybody stayed there. Uh, all the team, everybody, we have the same, we have the same uh, staff from the day we opened and now. Really? The cooks are 12 years there. Uh, the, nobody has missed a day of work. No. This is amazing. It's, I tell you, it's a story about people. Mm-hmm. When I came to to over, I said, how? When I was working in the U.S., I said, how can I achieve to have? Mexican workers in Mexico work like Mexican cooks here. Because there's this, in Mexico, we ask that, why do Mexican cooks in the U.S. work so, in, when they go to Mexico, they, they... It's different? It's different. And I, me being an anthropologist, I said, how can I achieve that? He said, yes, you can need to pay, but it's not only pay. It's the pride of doing things the best way possible. Uh-huh. And when people are empowered... By, and you give them the the, the tools and the the the, 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 posit- the platform to, to to really do amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. Magical things start happening, and that's what has happened over there. And it's a beautiful story about people. Not food is we do it through food because I'm a cook, but it's it's really about people, and that's why I see everything really. It, it, food is only the the, the is the medium, but in the end it's about people. It's, so one day I said, "Okay, you stay here. I, I go, I go to Mexico City. And I had, I know this uh, my very uh, dearful 
partner and she's a very good friend of mine. She's, her name is Gabriela Camara and uh, I knew her uh, before and she told me, if one day you want to come to Mexico City, give me a call. And I took the phone and said, you know what? And she's like, what? Are you going? Yes. The day has come where I want to go to Mexico City. Okay, so we, just like that, we started, uh, went there and started planning a restaurant and and it has... What's the attitude of the restaurant? The attitude of, a rest, of the restaurant is urban, uh, relaxed, but very, very good food. Different than Laja. I, I, what's the point? I said, I cannot replicate what happens in Laja because Laja is about the context. Yes. And, uh, and Merotoro is, uh, is a very urban restaurant in the sense that people can go there and uh, don't expect to be there for three hours or four hours like Laja. No? So, but we make really, really good food. A lot of it inspired. My framework is from Baja California, where I'm from, but it's not the theme. It's my framework. So, uh, so it's uh, like a 30-item menu, which is not very large or very small either. And uh, we said I said a lot of. Uh, Describe some dishes. Uh, for example, we have one is called Vuelve a la Vida, which is like a it's a sea urchin, fresh sea urchin with a tomato, cucumber, and a little bit of uh, chili flakes and uh, sea lime? beans. Slime. Acidity. <laughs> acidity in, for example, that has been a thing. Over the years, I, I have big, I have, I don't, when you cook for uh, people, you need to really appreciate and see why that people, I mean, as a culture, why do they eat what they eat and why they eat it? And then you work around that. And not, not for commercial reasons. It's just because that's the best way to communicate. Mm. No? Because, because cooking is a, an activity and as an activity is, a, is culture. And you're part of the culture. And as cooks, we need to, we have this social responsibility to, uh, to communicate and to, uh, you know, to add into what's going on. And, and, and we have the endless possibilities to, to, for things to be done. And, and for example, central Mexico, which is where Mexico City is, it's acidity is, is part of the culture. Uh, people actually season with acidity instead of salt. And, and, and seasoning with salt is cultural. Is it really? Yes, 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 yes. I mean, yes. Like in Mexico, you will see parts of Mexico, they will season with acidity or with, um, pe you know, pepper. pepper. Chili. Yeah, but uh, but acidity is very fundamental for, uh, for, uh, for example, for Mexican food. So where is French in your cooking? French. I don't think it's very French now, uh, well, but the basis is. It? It, it is because French. The basis, the whole technique is French. French, exactly. So That's it's, what we teach it's, it's like you sing, and the, the technique is Italian. Okay, well, yeah. here the technique is French. So, and I'm a lot about technique. I mean, uh, the fundamentals need to be there. In the end, we're cooks, and food needs to be delicious. And if food is not delicious, then start doing something else. No? That's right. So, and to make, and to communicate through food, you need the, the, the basic technique has to be there. What is the basic the cooking times, textures, um, the balance of, you know, flavor balance? It has to be there. If you don't do that, then you're not doing it right. And if you don't do it right, you cannot communicate the thing. 
So it's very easy. And the French uh, technique is there to stay. How have you seen food change since you're at school here? I'm so emotional about food that I will end up telling you that I have changed in such and such way because it's I cannot separate food from me because it, it's been my growth. But I think uh, now, for sure, it was funny because we started producing our own things before it was a trend. We started doing that uh, 10 years ago in Laja. In Laja. And I remember I used to tell my partner, I used to tell him, you know what, One very soon this is going to be the trend. I was totally convinced. Totally convinced. Were you selling the food? Uh, or just using it? Cooking the food. Cooking. Cooking in the restaurant and yeah. and eating it because yeah. <laughs> sometimes we don't have day. customers. That's, right. <laughs> That's the day everybody has a party, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but I think food has changed in, in that. Now we look into where food comes from, much product, more, yeah. much more than. How is that? How is the sustainable movement in Mexico? In, uh, in there's a lots of a lots of uh, interest. Uh, like in Mexico City, it's very relevant because it's a huge city. It's a crazy, crazy big city like this one, but even larger. So uh, <clears throat> there's lots of people getting uh, interested in uh, in getting sustainable local food. And there's people trying to do it, but we are at this point where things are not there yet. There's, there's, there's a, It's very difficult to kind of match together the producers and the consumers. Are there are there, there needs to be communication. Yeah, are there a lot of small farmers still in Mexico? Yes, actually, there's some. There's still some farmers that have not gone through uh, through the, the like big time farming. Uh, and there's also people like here, people that lawyers or whatever that ended up it's now great. they're doing cheese. That's right. So like this back to the country back thing, to nature, yeah. back to nature, it's happening also. And they're entrepreneurial. Yes. And, and, and Mexico City is very exciting because things happen very fast. Because big cities, things happen. Any dreams on the horizon? Any yes. Dreams? What are you going to be doing? What am I? In, get involved with, uh, with the production of food. Really? What like, kind like of a, things are you going to produce? Uh, we're involved right now in a very exciting thing, working with... Um, these people from Ensenada that work with Japanese, uh, they sold fish to Japan. So they they were trained by Japanese, and they know how to to, to, to tuna fish. Tuna? Mostly tuna, but uh, they do a different thing. What we're finding now is that to fish tuna, you fish many other species that are not very well regarded, and they don't sell them, basically. So the right thing to do is to treat those species as if they were tuna, Yes. Which means to you know to do it the right way and to, to drain the blood and everything right. the, like the Japanese standard, and sell them and use those fish to and because we I mean there's only enough tuna. Exactly. Uh, so we, what we are doing now is uh, in communicating to the rest of the chefs in Mexico City that we need to use these amazing fish. fish. Yeah. There are not tuna, but have you discovered fish? Yes. What have you called them? There's one. It's, it's called. Uh, I think they call it in the English bullet tuna. It's a small, it's like a mackerel. Uh, actually, they call it bouillé there because some, for some weird reason. And 
And it's amazing. Those are amazing fish. I mean, there's like mackerelish kind of blue fish. Do you think we're going to expand our fish? We need to do that. Yep. Uh, the only th way to go is that we need to start consuming the fish. Because I had no idea about fishing. No idea. It wasn't until like two months ago that I... And what they were doing, they, they partnered with a, a small fishing cooperative in a very specific bay in the state of Oaxaca, which is not so far away from Mexico City, but it's far enough. And what they're doing is that they're fishing on the bay with yeah. small boats, and the fish is treated uh, as if they were going to send it to Japan, you know, to, to bleed so who it. Who buys the fish? Is it only we? You we are involved now. So what we are doing now is that we are uh, getting involved in the other, in both sides of the equation to consume them and then to communicate it so we can kind of kind of move uh, on both fronts, uh -huh. uh, and then it will with the belief that it will become. The right thing to the people will start. Are there other restaurants that are buying the catch? Uh, we have tried, and they are all very happy with what we have. Uh, we're barely starting, so it's a very exciting. This is very. It is very exciting. exciting. It's very. It is very exciting, and that and uh, and getting involved with also producing more things. I I, I love these things, but uh, but I and I think we need to do it. There's yeah. a social responsibility also to do it. I mean, yeah. people want great ingredients. And there's so many things to be done yet in that respect. Well, we've run out of time. Really? Can you believe that? <laughs> 45 minutes just like that. I can't wait. I just can't wait to come down to Mexico City. I, you I should. have good friends there. No, very I have exciting. Good friends there. Mexico City is very exciting right now. Really? Uh, the, the whole food scene is, is very, very exciting. All right. So when I come down, I'm calling you. You're going to take me around, right? Very much. Okay. Well, thanks for listening today. You've been listening to Chef Story. I want to thank Robin Cohen and Jack Inslee, my producers. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.